Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to the show. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and their financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped them craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. I think you're going to like the show this week and where it goes. And here's a hint. Be mindful. Hey, Krista, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. I want to make sure that I say your name correctly. It's Krista Inokovsky. Is that correct? Very good. All right. Now, the listeners don't know. I practiced that about seven times, but <laughs> glad I got it right at the important time. <laughs> want to say thank you again so much for being on the show today and sharing something um, with us that I've been on a journey myself uh, this year explore and that's mindfulness. And before we get into mindfulness, I would love to know, are you a wine drinker? Yes, I do definitely enjoy a glass of wine. And what would be your favorite wine? Um, I really enjoy uh, Bella Glace, the Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. So that's lovely. I, I, I would love to have a higher palate, but my I guess I don't allow my budget to make me too too much of a wine kind of floor. <laughs> you know what? Publix does a great job with their wine shelves, yeah. don't they? <laughs> we like to check and see what's on sale, um, and we'll give it a try, especially when they do some of their like nine ninety nine deals or buy one get one deals. We are big fans of the public wine section, and you know if if Pinot Noir is your favorite. That's great. That means that your vineyard is full with the right grapes, right? Yes, yes. And I am all for a good deal. And the public certainly is good about offering some uh, nice prices on great wines. Yes, they do. <laughs> so um, I'd love to know, uh, as I, I always say in the opening of the podcast, you know, everybody has their own journey into their development of their vineyard. And I would love to know, how did you get in? to coaching and mindfulness and doing the things that you're doing now. What, what was your journey like? Well, that's a, thank you for asking. I'll, I'll take us back to my, the, the majority of my life was spent as a professional dancer. I trained for it as a youth, but by 15, I started dancing professionally and had a, a very fun and 
a wonderful career for about 20 years. The mix in with with other um, overlapping with other careers as well. Uh, But I continued to dance and uh, be an MC and speak from stage and do narration and, and show hosting. And so I was really an entertainer at heart. That was my my craft, who I was, and absolutely my identity. I really, you know, I was known as Krista the Dancer. That's how I was introduced by my parents. (laughs) When you do something like that, it it really becomes part of who you are. Uh, And as my life, as I both was getting older and had children uh, and was being maybe directed in other paths, um, I did come to a point of really getting out of touch with my identity and trying other careers that just didn't hit home and didn't feel the same. Then I'll kind of fast forward into coming to a place in my marriage, my long time marriage of uh, just not feeling connected to who I was or knowing what I wanted, um, how I was showing up and just kind of trying to, to please the situation of being a a wife and mother and make decisions based on other influences besides my own. And when I realized that that just wasn't working for me, I took a much deeper dive in my own personal development. Now, it's always been of interest to me. I've been following Tony Robbins and and Brian Tracy and these people since I was 20 or in in college. Uh, So that, that was nothing new. But as far as really diving deep into personal development and mindfulness and a lot of different modalities um, to do a deep dive of self-discovery. And through that, I was deciding how I could use these tools to save my marriage. And that was a path for several years. And then it became clear that I needed to use these tools to be clear on how to um, start a new life independently. Well, one of the things that you said just a moment ago, I didn't want to interrupt you, but it really resonated with me. And I think it resonates with a lot of women. And I'm not saying it doesn't resonate with men, but I think that um, I'm hearing a lot of my women clients say it is who am I? What What is my identity? Um, who have I become? And um, I, I think that a lot of women, like, like again, again, like I said, that I work with, We've worked really hard in our career and we're not sure if that's us or if there's this other little piece that is, is been pushed kind of down, you know, and, um, and we've just had to focus on what's pulled us in other directions. And you get to a point where you want, you want to know who that core person is again. Right. And it sounds I mean, when people listen to me say stuff like that, um, you know, I'll, I get a few eye rolls occasionally, but I'm like, no, really, like, who was I when I was 20 and had very few cares in the world versus where I am right now? And I'm sure that person is here, but is it just that I've gotten more mature and, you know, or is she just been kind of pushed away for everything else that's been pulled in other directions? So I think that will resonate a lot with, with some of the listeners. And you also do mindfulness at work and you're also doing a teen mindfulness program, correct? Tell us about that. Oh, so um, I've been working for the last several years, primarily with startups, entrepreneurs uh, and professionals and, and doing leading masterminds are really my favorite 
favorite settings, small group, facilitating mastermind groups, helping everyone to elevate each other and share experiences and, and really asking those deep questions of who am I? What do I want? What's next? How can I get there? What does it look like to actually live a life that I am super excited about? Kind of break through that pattern of just doing what life has led me to, because sometimes that just gets to be a whole lot of doing what we need to do, like following the have-tos instead of the want-to. So opening up those those questions of what is the want-to in your life. And then as I uh, did finally decide to uh, end my marriage and start a new a new phase for my life, which is a pretty big deal for anyone who's done it or thinking to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, I really was open up to a new spot of, okay, how am I going to serve the world for the, the best now? What is this all about? And I continued to take deep dives in my own personal development and, and clearing out and going through my journey. They call it doing the work, shredding out limiting beliefs and all of these things. So it took me to a place where I finally got some beautiful clarity. And that gift from above was to work with teens. Um, using all of the same strategies, formats, mastermind, small group um, programming that I've been doing with adults. And the more I dove into that, the more I recognized how much this fits what our teens are missing. And I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son who are wonderful and amazing. I don't have a single complaint about either of them. And at the same time, I am around to recognize the challenges that our teens are going through. And that biggest one that first caught my attention is that teens are the demographic more than any other age group that are experiencing stress. And if teens are experiencing chronic stress, or you can call it perceived stress, but either way, it's, it's real to them during these developmental years, what is that going to look like for them when they're entering the workforce and having families? Because um, from working with adults, I know that so much of what we have going on in our minds and our belief system is imprinted as kids. And we all have stories of what happened in middle school or high school that still we're still dealing with now. Um, so I thought, man, this is the time to work with this age group and giving them space to communicate and connect and explore their emotions and and sit in a safe space to share with their peers and learn how to listen and discover what empathy is and true human connection. In their their day-to-day life, they don't get enough of that, at least not in the school systems here. Right, right. And and I guess, you know, if if you were mindfulness is one of those things that we're hearing a lot. We're hearing that term a lot anymore. But explain what mindfulness is. Absolutely. So mindfulness is simply focused attention and creating a mindfulness practice. just means finding times throughout your day to be completely aware of your present moment. It doesn't have to be meditation. Meditation is one way to do it, but it's certainly not the only way. It can be every time you wash your hands that you're fully present and feeling the water and smelling the soap. And just allowing the breath and to be involved in that activity, completely submersed in your senses of what's happening in the present moment. 
And the reason this is so very important is there are um, just a, a myriad of studies that have been done that these mindfulness moments of being present and focused actually changes the way that the brain is functioning and that allows the body to work better. So everything from disease, sleep, addiction, I mean, just the list goes on and on uh, on what taking these mindfulness moments and also meditation practice um, can do for your overall health and well-being. So I, I love the idea of just like something as simple as feeling the water. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of chuckled when you said that because I'm like, oh, when was the last time I did that? <laughs> I mean, maybe in the shower, less sub- subconsciously, but not actually aware of it. Not like feeling the warmth of the shower and, and thinking, hey, this feels good. You know, I even when people jump up or, or you know, make breaks to get off of their computer and they get up to take a walk outside, often they get up and they take their walk outside and they bring that to-do list in their mind and they are planning their next phone call. I mean, their mind is just as full. So that's where some mindfulness training comes in to say, okay, when I take this break from my computer and I get up and I go outside and I'm, I don't have to sit in a meditation position, I can take the walk. But while I'm there, I'm fully aware, recognizing how I'm feeling. Well, I am definitely guilty of that. I might get up and walk away from my desk just so my body doesn't ache. But generally, I've got my cell phone in my hand. And I'm walking down the street and I'm making notes as things come to my mind. You know, I, I oh, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget that. So I'm, I'm, you know, putting a note in my, either my calendar or my sending an email to myself, or I have a, I use um, tasks, you know, a task list. Um, I don't, in the morning when I exercise, I generally don't do any of that, but my mind is working. You know, I, I don't. I don't often shut down. So give us a tip. In fact, my husband has made the comment that she only has a dimmer switch, not an off switch. Um, you know, give us a tip on like how you start. Cause meditation is one of those things too, that people say, Oh, you should meditate. It'll help so much. I'm like, I can't sit still for 15 seconds, one alone, you know, more than a minute. So give us some tips on things that would help us just start to become aware. And then, Explain how you would work with somebody that hired you for this kind of um, assistance. Okay, sure. Well, I'll start with the tip on how to get started if you're not. All right. Well, let, let me just start here. We have to value the time that we spend not making lists. Like We have to deconstruct what we think productivity looks like. And I believe that the most, most of us have been so programmed in what productivity looks like, which is doing making lists, being busy, multitasking, listening to a podcast while you're doing this and while you're doing that, right? Like this is what been ingrained is valuable to be successful. Okay. So for, for just a moment, guilty, 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 <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so our, the first thing I ask of you would be to consider that this time, whether it's two minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes, is valuable. We have to place value on the time of not doing, or we'll always find a reason to continue the pattern that we have. So once, and that's, you know, I I dive into all 
the benefits and the research and that sort of thing, which kind of helps go, okay, you know, <laughs> once you realize the benefits, you're more willing to make a change. But let's assume that you're already on board and now you, you've bought into the fact that I'm not going to not fulfill my day by taking 15 minutes of doing quote nothing. Then I want you to just start small and release judgment, release the fact that you might not be good at it in the beginning. And that's totally fine. I wouldn't expect you to go to a CrossFit training and do the whole 30 minute workout when you've never done it. I I don't do CrossFit. I'm more of a a yoga. I teach yoga. (laughs) Um, And so having that expectation that you are building a mental muscle of focus. And the the better you've been all these years of being distracted and multitasking, then you've built a different muscle. (laughs) So we got to build opposite muscles of focus. Right. And, and when we think about like a vineyard, right? So I'm just going to kind of put it in perspective to the theme of the podcast. When you think about a vineyard for a moment, um, if a grapevine has been not well maintained, um, then the production that the grape, that the vine produces is going to go down, right? So if, if, if the vine hasn't had a chance to rest, if it hasn't had some um, airflow that's been permitted, meaning they haven't, you know, the leaves haven't been thinned a little bit to allow that airflow, then the production of the grape is going to be less. And so I guess that's sort of what you're saying in the same frame is that if we permit um, our ourselves to be pruned a little, um, then we're going to be able to open up. The air is going to be cleaner. The, um, the, the mind and the body is going to function better because there's a little space. Did I interpret that correctly? Yes, absolutely. This idea of pruning uh, is, is spot on. We can't keep what we're doing, I feel, is adding and adding and adding. It's like having one piece of paper to scribble all your ideas on and all your to-do lists and from work and family and kids and spouse. And you keep all you have is this one piece of paper and you keep writing on it and writing on it and trying to fit it all in. And, and, and everything you did from yesterday is still on there. And the notes you did from three weeks ago are still on there. And you really just need a fresh piece of paper, especially to create new. I love that idea too. I mean, that keeps it real simple. I need a fresh sheet of paper and whether it's 15 minutes in the middle of the day or whether it's in the morning or in the evening, I need to have that fresh sheet of paper that exists. And I'll say, uh, we're going to take a brief pause for just a quick second to get a word from our sponsor in, but we'll hear more from Krista in just a moment. This week's sponsor is Rooted Planning Group. Have you spent the time and energy planning your roots, building your vineyard, and you want to make sure your financial wine ages properly? Well, Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm, would like to help you nurture that vineyard and uncork your finances. If you are looking for a financial planning firm that considers all varieties of your vineyard, not just one, then Rooted Planning Group might just be the right team for you. Welcome to our new section of the podcast, where each week we explore a different financial tip. This week, since we were talking about mindfulness, I thought I'd ask the question to you. Are you scared about something in your financial life that if if all the things went wrong, 
you know that this would put you in a financial position that would scare you. What is that fear? If you could put your finger on it, if you could name it, what is driving that particular fear? We want to know what that fear is. We want to know what keeps you up at night when it comes to your finances. Be mindful about that. And when we get together and talk about that with you, we'll talk about ways to make sure that that doesn't happen to you, or at least try and talk about solutions if it does. Each week, we'll be adding a different tip here. Honest, we will. This week, we're just talking about being mindful of what keeps you up at night. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we would love to get your questions. So don't hesitate to send us any question you might have via social media, direct messaging, or if you would like to, info at rootedpg.com. That's info at rootedpg.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Krista. So you were saying that, you know, when things happen with a clean sheet of paper, when we create that clean sheet of paper, then we're allowing ourselves to be not as clouded, right? It, it's, it's stressful sometimes when I see, I'm a to-do list person, um, analytical, typical financial person, you know, that has a to-do list for to-do lists. And so sometimes that stresses me out when I see like, I have six things that I know I'm never going to get done today. So why did I do that to myself? <laughs> my, my sheet of paper never becomes clean because I don't allow it. So what would, and, and a lot of my clients are like that too. So what would you suggest for somebody like that? Well, I'm glad that you put up how, or mentioned how you're feeling about it because the emotions are a key component to this and why we would practice mindfulness is we want to be the thinker of our thoughts and the feelings of our emotions. And we want that to be generated by ourselves based on what we desire those to be. And when we keep scribbling on the same piece of paper and going with the adrenaline of being a doer, 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 we don't even check in on where our emotions are. And we're working on adrenaline and um, maybe lack or panic or not enough time or not enough, either I'm not enough or I don't have enough resources. This I'm not enough comes up and then we're, that's not a space to create. And if we want to create new ideas and create in our business and be present for others, we need to know, check in on who we are and be that. So let's say this, the meditation or the mindfulness practice can be the reset button to come back and go, ah, who's Krista? How do I want to show up for my next part of my day? So I like the word that you just used was create. Um, that stuck out when you said that was to create. Um, again, you do work with both teams and corporate and individuals. So when you're first working with somebody um, that's, you know, like all these things that you've been saying, I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. Right. So when you, when you take on, I call us type a, um, many of my clients are, uh, also type a, they're attorneys and engineers and educators, and we're very type a people. Right. And we, we have a creative side, but we often, um, 
we often are on the go all the time. And, and the vision of, of success of, you know, the type A personality is definitely I'm busy. You know, it, it, that's the vision. It's of like success. a badge of honor, right? Your busyness is a badge of honor. It, 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 it is and it isn't. Yeah. So like, um, I was talking the other day to a friend of mine and I said, I'm having a conflict of identity. I said in one realm of me, I want to be Wonder Woman. And then the very second that I say that, I want not to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so someone else is me sometimes. So so like I want I want to be a role model, I think is what I'm saying. Like that Wonder Woman ish is that I want to be a role model. I'm in a profession that there aren't a lot of women and I want to be a role model. And yet when everything gets thrown at me and people come to me because they they think I have all the answers. That's the moment that I don't want to be Wonder Woman because I don't always have all the answers. And um, when I feel like all the pressure is on me personally to come up with the answers, that's when my uh, adrenaline is the word you used um, or cortisol or whatever levels rise because I'm like, and I'll say to people sometimes, I, you know, I am not as good as you think I am. And then I feel bad because I feel like I didn't help somebody, you know, when I sent them off to do the research on their own. So that's what I was saying about, you know, like, I think this personality has that conflict sometimes of wanting to be able to do it all, wanting to be Wonder Woman and not be Wonder Woman. So I want to focus on the word create a little bit because I think that can help with our personalities. So explain to me what you mean by create. Create is having your own idea, your own fresh idea, not just doing, not just receiving content from other places, but to have whatever that may look like for you. It doesn't have to be you creative, like making a fruit basket or painting a picture. <laughs> Those can be fun ways to spark creativity when it's down. Um, I'm saying even in your, your day-to-day work to have that great idea to be fresh to have your own ideas and your own thoughts that we need to be in a a positive state of mind and I, I teach my my clients and and the kid the teens as well that all emotions fall into one of two states of being essentially a beautiful state of being or a suffering state of being and all the negative emotions you know uh, jealousy not enough rushed uh, panic, you know, all these things that they fall into that negative or suffering state of being. And we can't create from that space. And so just by pushing through and doing more and, and just kind of going with the adrenaline of doing things more, we're not, we're not going to create work that's inspired. And then we look back on later and go, Oh, that was a fabulous idea. We'll be like, oh, I just got it done. <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh, I've done that a few times too. <laughs> um, and thinking about the teen side of things, I want to explore that a bit too, because I don't have children personally, but a lot of my friends do and a lot of my clients do. And I would love to know, like, what um, what would a parent look for in a child to think this would be a good opportunity for them to 
to do some work around mindfulness? What are, what are, I mean, I think I'm, I'm assuming like every teenager could use this, but, but what are some signs, I guess that, you know, let's, let's, let's dig into this right now. Like, let's not go, let this go any further. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. And I want to connect it back to talking about the type A personality that type A parents, ooh, that, that, that can have a really interesting dynamic with your, with your teens because there's such a level of expectation that can be placed on, their, on the kid that might not match their internal makeup. They might not be type A. They might not you know, have those same goals and aspirations to follow the, the traditional path that the parent most likely did getting the SAT scores to get into the college, to get the law degree, to get the, get the, get that right now. Um, so I would say the children of type A parents are a wonderful demographic for me, both because success is on their mind and they realize that they may not be the best person to introduce this topic to to their kids. And and there's studies that show that teens need a person in their life who's not their parent and not their teacher. To have a someone else, um, it might be their sport coach or their director in theater, um, and I get to be that person for a lot of teens. Um, a safe adult to talk to and confide in and, and to be able to open things up. I'm all about progression and, and helping the kids be their best self, but it's not based on their SAT score. It's best on them based on them being a thriving human being and learning to believe in themselves right now. Yeah, it's kind of like the aunt in me, right? So like mom and dad can say the same thing to the kids, but if Aunt Amy says it, it's it's you know, the response is, Did you know that, mom and dad? <laughs> Like, yeah, I told you five times, but you won't listen to me, right? So, <laughs> well, there's that drive, I think, for teenagers, too, to have, they're starting to fight for that independence. They're starting to think for themselves and fight for that independence. And and I do use the word fight because I hear that word a lot with my clients. Um, you know, I think that drive for independence uh, starts to create that conflict within the household where if somebody outside can have a conversation with them, then it's a then it's, it's not, you know, it's not parents putting the influence on the children, even if it's, even if it's the right thing. Um, it's somebody else, you know, how, helping the child come up with, with their own uh, decisions and, and, and mindset. Right. And often the parents are walking, they're coming home filled with their stress and they're still on the phone and they're still multitasking. So they're not showing up in the ideal space to cultivate what the, the children need. So that's why I also work with parents. <laughs> I think that, uh, when I think about all the things that you've said today, it clearly made a right decision not having children. <laughs> they would have been, they would have needed your services for sure. <laughs> um, I want to switch gears for just a, a moment, if we can. Um, you mentioned that at, at one point in time you ended up going through a divorce, and you know there's a lot of financial connection um, and decisions that have to be made around a divorce. Is there any tips that you could share that you learned through that process, or any other any other things in your life that 
um, you you think that the listeners could actually benefit from that aspect of, of learning? Well, I don't know if I would consider them tips, but I'll certainly share my experience, um, which is... Um, so one, the finances was a very big intertwined part of our the dynamic of what was keeping us together and pulling us apart and keeping us together um, based on lack. Um, and then I was, as I was doing all of my own personal development work, um, I recognized how very, very different our money mindsets were. Yeah. Myself. That's a big one. And that was, yeah, it became so apparent that I just realized that there wasn't going to be a point of reconciliation or alignment or agreement that that set well with my soul and that I needed to carve my own path. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not recommending this, but for me, the right thing to do um, was to essentially walk away of the 20-year marriage without fighting. I didn't want it to be a fight. I didn't want to pull in you know, three years of attorney's fees and this and that. And I was willing to just simply start over. And that's what I've done. And it's, it's scary and it's stupid and it's crazy and it's fun and it's empowering. And I'm going to have a super great story. Give me another year. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to correct a word that you use though. You threw in the word stupid and that's not, that's not good because no, I mean, really we're only as smart as we're educated. Right. And and one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I'm just naturally curious person And there's a lot of things that I just don't know about. And I thought, well, if I don't know about them, probably a lot of other people don't know about them. And finances is one of those things that a lot of people, they use that word. They they often do. They'll come into my office and they'll sit down. You can tell they're tense. You can tell this is very uncomfortable for them. And they'll say, I feel so stupid that I don't know this. And, And my response to them is, have you been trained? Did you... Did you become, when the moment that you were born, did your brain automatically say, you know, finances? No, it said, you know how to breathe and you know that when you're hungry and you know how to sleep and that's about all you know when you're first born. And if you're not exposed to these things, if you, if you weren't taught these things, then it's not that you're stupid. It's that you weren't taught them. And unfortunately, that seems to be more and more as I do these podcasts, that seems to be one of the themes that people say, like, I feel like I should know more about finance. And I'm like, well, I feel like I should know more about the medical field, but I wasn't trained for it. (laughs) So I'm never going to know it unless I sit down and actually study it. Um, I'll never be a dentist, but you know, I, I, so I can't answer questions around your oral health. And, you know, those are all things that we just assume that we should know. And in reality, we don't, and your journey is your journey. And, um, you know, I appreciate that you, you shared that because I think a, a lot of people, when they go through a divorce, it's one of the, one of the most stressful events that they're ever going to have in their life. And a lot of times it is around the financial aspects of things. I mean, we're seeing that more and more in our practice. So I really appreciate you sharing that and and drudging up, I'm sure some emotions that aren't exactly what you want to drudge up. So I appreciate that. Has anybody along the way um, given you advice that uh, maybe wasn't the wrong advice, but maybe not the right advice for you? I think that's what it comes down to is I just needed, I wanted to make the the choice that resonated with my soul um, and prolonging it or creating a 
tension or fighting and um, all of those things, which may have resulted in may have resulted in me getting more money. But it's, that wasn't the path that I was on. And I trust that I have the the full ability to to create what I need. And that's part of part of the journey that I've uh, stepped into for this new chapter in my life. That's exciting. It's empowering. And the word empowering is a big word. Um, I often think it gets hidden um, because we hear it more and more every day. What does empowered mean to you? What does it look like to you? It starts with knowing self. And that's what meditation and mindfulness does. It's going inward. If you don't know who you are and learn to love who you are and what you're about and self-discovery and self-expression and uh, building self-esteem and, and self-confidence, then you, you don't have the tools to be empowered. I feel like empowerment comes from within. It's not handed to you. And so it's developing and cultivating these strengths um, and belief within yourself that then gives you the uh, ability or capacity to make empowered choices or empowered actions. And that's what I'm, I'm teaching the teens. I, I really... I believe so much in building their sense of self. That's really exciting to me. And I'm sure they feel the same way. When you started your business um, and sat down, you know, and did the typical business plan and, okay, this is what, you know, this is what I'm going to offer for services. And this is what I'm going to charge for my services. Um, Was there fear in doing that? Was there, um, was there fear around finances? Was there fear around the being an entrepreneur, talk a little bit about that emotion. Cause uh, you know, again, a lot of the women we work with, we hear those things. Oh yes. I'm actually glad you asked me because I missed a pretty significant step in my story, which was when I did get divorced um, and move into my own place. And this is all with a little bit less than a year. So this is all quite new and fresh to me in this part of my, my journey. Um, I, um, I put aside my coaching and I put aside because I, both fear and encouragement from outside sources was, well, gosh, Krista, now you're a single mom. You need to get a real job. You need to do this other, whatever this other thing is. And I did a couple of other quote unquote jobs and was so out of alignment that I was not financially successful with it. I was, um, it was essentially, it sounds so dramatic, but I thought it was like crushing my soul. Like I just was so, so apparently out of alignment for what I was meant to do. And just to kind of fast forward a little bit, I, I felt so clear at one point that God said, hey, Krista, guess what? You've gone through all of this because I need you to step into what you're called to do and you're not doing it. And so all these, the, the job that I was trying to do just as a means to an end to a paycheck to be responsible was clearly not working. And I'm, I'm grateful that I had such a, a, a drastic sign to say, <laughs> like one side's burning and the other side's this big flashing arrow going, hello, hello, get over here. This is what you're called to do. And so once I stepped into that, calling the anxiety went away even though yes there's 
you know, the, the monetization part is, is certainly uh, scary, but what I've been able to do in a short period of time um, is quite remarkable because I am so in tune with my clients and I am so aligned with what I've been called to do and what I've been tr- essentially training for and leading up to for years. Um, but that's, that's my story. I find that I find that very interesting that when I, and I asked you the question earlier about have you been given advice that maybe wasn't the best advice for you and I think you answered that question just a moment ago um around you know starting a business not starting like putting your coaching services aside and it, everybody telling you you're a single mom you have to go out and um get a de- what what we call a w2 job you know you have to you have to work for somebody else instead of with somebody else or for yourself um you know i think sometimes we're forced into making that decision and my journey you know a lot of people know i i had i i felt so i felt like it was so necessary to um go terrified, but I felt it was so necessary to go out on my own because if I didn't, then I was going to fail. Like there was no question. I was going to fail because I was miserable. And, And it sounds like your journey was very similar that if you didn't make that change, if you didn't go with what's core to your heart, yep. You could have had a certain quote-unquote guaranteed income, but you were going to fail at that job because misery was going to take over. And I I think sometimes we need to, you know, there's there's always that fear and I, I get it. Like, you know, I, I totally understand the fear that goes along with it. I've felt it. But there's the other side of that equation that I think we need to be uh, aware of that if we don't sometimes go our own direction and and follow what's in our heart that we're going to fail anyways. And then we're going to be forced to go in the right direction. Like that's going to be our option at that point in time. And doing, doing the work that I mentioned before of us believing in myself and self-discovery and self-expression and knowing who I am and what I'm all about, I knew that the other, the job I was doing did not satisfy that at all. And the other piece is there's people, there's a lot of people, parents and teens and professionals that I'm, I'm destined to serve. And if I don't get out there and do the work that I'm meant to do, then they're the ones that I'm not, I'm not reaching or helping. Even if it's one person, that means the world to me. Well, well, end the podcast with a couple of questions that I like to, to ask people. Um, one of the questions is, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is feeling good in your soul. If you can wake up happy and excited for the day, then that's success. And that's another thing. I actually, I, I train clients on how to wake up each day. It, it, make, it makes a huge difference and it, it takes a little bit of a, of a process, but that can, it really, really sets the stage. And what you have a 13 year old, you mentioned, what would, um, what would you say that 13 year old, what, how would you like to see that 13 year old develop so that they felt successful because you work with a lot of teens, you know, how do you, how do you, what would you have in mind for that? 
Yeah, Farah's uh, a huge inspiration for me. She doesn't fit the traditional school model of testing well and being in honors classes. And so her path, if I leave it to that, um, you know, where, where is she going to be? And so it's, it's people, kids, both boys and girls that are like Farah, who have, she has these amazing qualities of character and charisma and she's been talking to adults since she was three. Like she's got these, these <laughs> I can't teach. And I just have been telling myself as a parent, like, just don't mess her up. I just don't want to mess up these ingrained, amazing qualities just because she doesn't test well or just because she doesn't read at the same level as other people. And I don't want that to be her story or her label or her belief in herself because the school system is, is grading her or give numbers on her that, that would diminish who she is and what her potential is. Um, and so I just, with all my might, want to create a, a platform and belief system in her and kids like her um, to know that they're not a number. And there's way more ways to succeed in life than the, the traditional doctor, lawyer, attorney. Those are fab- fabulous. And we've got great people who, who do those. And we've got jobs that we don't even know what they're going to be yet. They haven't even been invented yet. Yeah, I, I you know I I um I see my nieces and nephews as they grow up in their individuality and it's amazing um even within the same household how different they are you know and 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 I think that embracing what we're good at and not focusing on what we're not good at is going to bring happiness you know when we when we really look at that perspective of things but um, and then the final question that I, I love to ask people is, um, you know, what, when, when Krista needs to go and just recharge, and, and I can't wait to hear your answer on this, what do you do? Well, in Orlando, we have more named lakes than any other city. So <laughs> we have small lakes everywhere. There's one in my neighborhood um, called Spring Lake. I actually live right by Universal Studios. I can see the... Uh, <laughs> The lights going up um, in the distance, and on a good day, hear the the roars. Um, <laughs> uh, so to me, it's, I enjoy connecting with with nature and sitting. I, I ideally would be in front of an ocean. Um, it's a little longer to get there, but I can sit by a lake at any time. There, there is something about water. I will agree. There's something about water. I love um, Bahia Beach in um, in the Gulf side of. Florida. It's a, a little hidden beach. Hopefully nobody's goes here now that I've said I love it. Um, but it's, it's kind of off the beaten path and it's usually quite quiet, especially in the month of December. And there's, there's a sense of serenity that comes over me when I go to that beach. So I totally get where you're coming from. Krista, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we're going to put in the show notes, but you have a website um, uh, that people can go to and you have a blog that you write on. Um, you have all of your services out there on the website if people want to explore it just a little bit further. And um, you're going to provide us with some of the ways that people can contact you. But if you want to just uh, let us know real quick right now, what's the best, how can people follow you so that they can get to know you just a little bit better? Oh, I would I would love that. I'm quite active on both Facebook and Instagram. 
Um, I have my own page. So my name, KristaInnikovsky.com. The nice thing about having this such a unique name is I'm the only one and easy to find. <laughs> so you can type my name in and you'll find me. Uh, and then if you want to keep the conversation based around uh, parenting middle and high school aged kids, that is uh, Empowered Teen Mindfulness. So I've got... And that's M... Yeah, mindfulness. And the website is teenmindfulness.coach. Teenmindfulness. Great. Well, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes and all of your other um, social media contacts. And again, we just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been very interesting (laughs) and eye opening to me. So I really appreciate that. My pleasure. I I certainly appreciate the platform of opening up conversations for for parents and kids. And um, I look forward to and the listeners, uh, please reach out. Let me know that you listen to the show. Uh, We'd love to uh, connect with you. Welcome to the Nourish Your Vine section of the podcast, where we take a few minutes to answer some of your questions. Joining us for that section today is Rebecca, AKA Becky Eason. Hey Becky, what kind of questions are we getting this week? So the question that we're getting is with October coming up, um, people are wondering when they have to start repaying their student loans. Oh, big deal for some people just graduating from college, huh? Or if they've been on deferment for the past year, it's time to make some elections. Give them some idea of some basic um, payments that they might be, terms that might be thrown at them. Okay, there's a standard repayment option, and then there's also income driven, which within that includes um, your repay and your pay. And... um, Then there's also graduated payment options as well, just to begin. So very confusing. If people are interested in getting to know the details, one of the best websites that we found is loanbuddy.us. They can put their information in, upload it from the student loan website, and all of their data will be interpreted. And maybe some suggestions or ideas will come out of that. And certainly, if people are interested, they can work with you on that by contacting you at Becky at RootedPG.com. We're always interested in your questions. Please don't hesitate to send them our way. And if you want something very specific, please feel free to send them to info at RootedPG.com. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.